And welcome to episode 72 of Square Waves FM. Hello. We're uh, happy to be back. I think, um, did, no, we didn't podcast last weekend. Oh, no, we did. No, last weekend we had our uh, little adventure in the wilderness, sort of. Oh, yeah, we had our adventure wilderness. Yeah, what did we do last weekend? Wait a second, didn't we do, ca- okay, we had ketchup, which was... That was two weeks ago. Last week we went to your cousin's bachelorette party. We were driving all over the place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that was the 23rd, 24th. Last weekend, we had a podcast. No, last weekend was the 23rd, 24th. Oh. Wow, I forgot that now we're in August. Now we're in August. I know, time flies. Yes, it does. Yeah, so last week we were on some, uh, I won't call it a camping trip exactly, but we stayed at... Well, it was a bachelorette party for Bianca's cousin, and we met some people that we didn't know there before. We had a nice time. Yeah. It was in Lanark, Ontario, which is three and a half hours out of town or so in uh, a rural It's area. conveniently in the middle of nowhere. Very conveniently, yeah. There's a little village. It's like 800 people or so. It's a tiny little place. Mm-hmm. We were just in some farming area at a... It was like a hippie commune. Oh, it was of. so hippie. It was so hippie. That was uh, rented out on Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a good time. Yep, they we were able to, to accommodate our party of 14 people. Of course, it meant having to share rooms with strangers. That's right. But they're easygoing people. We had a good time. We got to sit by a campfire and have s'mores. Mm-hmm. It was a very Canadian weekend. Very Canadian. Yeah, it was fun. So... Let's start with the top of the... Oh, did we introduce ourselves? Oh, these people already know who we are, don't they? I'm Brian. You're the loyal minion, and I'm, I'm Bianca. S- I run the show. You're the disloyal minion. No, I'm the slayer of stupid, incompetent, and worthless minions. Yay! Oh, we've been playing lots of WoW this past couple of weeks, haven't we? Yeah, because we've been because uh, they released this is when they released patch uh, seven point zero point one. It was all the uh, pre Legion stuff, so they introduced the uh, new trans they the new improved transmog system. Yeah, as with every major WoW expansion pack, or like any WoW expansion pack, they do a major patch a month or more before. The uh, expansion comes out, which has all of these uh, graphical improvements and user interface improvements, and also major adjustments to classes and skills. Mm-hmm. More major this time than we've seen in a while. Um, it was pretty major when they went from Wrath to Cataclysm when they got rid of the uh, yeah. Wrath Three. That was like that's huge. the next most major one I can think of. My uh, main character, an enhancement shaman, which is like a. a short-range mage, melee mage, basically, is dramatically different. So much so that I didn't even recognize her at first, and it was kind of a downer, but uh, I'm getting used to it again. Mm-hmm. It's very different still, but uh, I don't feel like all is lost yet. You can't really... So they've increased the level cap, or they will increase the level cap from 100 to 110 when the new expansion comes out. So as with all of these major patches... The classes are all kind of uh, unbalanced and not all there until you... Like, they're, they've been redesigned and rebalanced for the maximum level. Mm-hmm. So since our characters are only level 100, we don't really know uh, their full potential till 110. It makes a big difference, even though it doesn't sound like that and much. And you won't even know their full potential until you get your artifact. 
artifact weapon. Oh, yeah, our fancy weapon and all. That's right. Yeah, because those ones, and you put power into that weapon, and it lets you, uh, and it introduces new skills or enhancements to your existing skills. Yeah, we talked about that stuff already. I don't want to go true. into all that again. Okay, so why don't you start us off with some uh, stuff that you written down in our notes. Okay, sure. We actually have three big letters today, so I... Hi, Joey. <laughs> so I took out uh, some of the news stuff. The only the only one little news thing that I wanted to at- keep in here is kind of neat. There's something called the Xbox Design Lab, which lets you design your own Xbox controller. I'm pretty sure these are also compatible with uh, Windows, or with, with uh, PC, I should say. Mm-hmm. But um, check it out, xboxdesignlab.com. Sorry, xboxdesignlab.xbox.com. I'll stick it in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Um... It's, uh, when I say design your own controller, it's like, um, aesthetically, you can choose the different colors of the different, uh, of different, uh, parts of the gamepad, and it costs $100 US for the gamepad. It looks really slick. You can choose different buttons and the colors of different panels and the sticks and the, the rocker switches and stuff like that. Really neat stuff. hmm Yeah, I took a look at it. It's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's a nice, uh, web tool as well. It even has a 3D model of the gamepad that you can rotate. To yeah, so you can actually preview. Like. You, so you can preview the changes that, or customizations that you want. Yeah, very clever. Oh, so the other thing I guess I'll mention is that I just updated my Android phone to beta five of Android N operating system. It's uh, yeah, and so the, the phone didn't break. Didn't break. It's the fifth beta. So, it's pretty stable. It's the last beta they're doing before the final release. I haven't done an Android beta build yet. It seems totally stable from what I can tell. I only did it a couple of hours ago. So, I'll play around with it and I'll report back. But uh, I verified I can do faster task switching by double-tapping the square button. And I can have multiple windows on one screen by holding down the square button. You can have two windows side-by-side multitasking. Mm, That's convenient. Yeah, it is convenient, right? Potentially convenient. I don't know how often I would use it, but it is potentially convenient. And you can do it in landscape or portrait, which is pretty cool. So I'll play with that, and I'll let you know what I think. The uh, notifications and stuff look different, too, and the settings look different. I have to play around with it some more, but I was too anxious. I wanted to play with it. I've also been using uh, still a beta build of uh, Windows 10. The oh, it's tomorrow. The anniversary update starts rolling out tomorrow. To uh, in final, so that's that's cool. So that has some nice little improvements as well for Windows. I've already talked about that, so I won't go into it again. So that's it for that. Why don't we go ahead and get into our letters before we talk about what we played this week? Sure. Let's uh, start with the first one. I'll read it. Oh, you'll read it. Okay. Sure. So yeah. So it's we, uh, another. Prolific epic from Father Beast. Yay. Father King Beast. <laughs> Father King Beast? Yeah. Why? What? I told you before, because he writes these long epic letters that make me think of Stephen King. Oh, that king. Yes. Fair enough. So thank you for writing to us, Father Beast. It's always a pleasure to receive letters. Yes, it is. So, hi, Square. Father Beast here. I initially thought that I wouldn't have anything to say on the subject of program that you remember. I was like, um, I used WordPad? But then I started thinking of the freeware stuff I used. And somehow, by limiting my outlook, I've come up with a list. These are freeware programs and in the category of utility as opposed to games. No shareware, nagware, or pirated stuff that I know of. Number one, free office. I don't have a lot of requirements in the word processor and, and such. Truly, WordPad does most of it, but the advantage of free office is that it will open files made by expensive commercial programs such as Microsoft Word. 
Two. Oh, I'd- sorry. Before you go on, let's comment on that. Okay. Um, it's interesting that he chooses free office. That's. Uh, let me look it up actually, and I'll put it in the show notes too. Free okay. office. Is this one of the open office forks, or is this something different? Um, oh, there's LibreOffice, which yeah, is an which open is office the, fork. Uh, which is like the default uh, Linux one that everyone usually. SoftMaker Free Office. They have a mobile version too. Interesting. That's interesting. I'll stick this in the show notes. Thanks for letting us know about that, Father Beast. Mm-hmm, sounds interesting. We'll uh, take a look at that afterwards. Free Office. Personally, if I didn't use or own Microsoft Office, I would probably just end up using a cloud-based one. Um, OneDrive has Office Online, which... Yes, it does. It's pretty good. It's very good, I think. And it has the best compatibility with Microsoft Office files, which most people use. Very true. I'd use use, uh, Office Online before I would use Google Docs, personally. It's more attractive and... uh, It's got more functionality. Just as good. I don't know if it has more, but it's just as good, in my opinion. Well, I found that the Google Google didn't have a lot of functionality the last time I tried to use the uh, online one. No, it doesn't, nor does Word Online. It has a subset of the functionality of the full-fledged Word. So they both feel like like uh, neutered applications, really. Uh, did the Microsoft stay in neuter, you know, just like Bob Barker used to say? Yes, they did. Oh, yes, they I'm did. I'm so sorry. I yes, you are. Oh, no, not really. Good. All right, continue, dear. Okay. Number two, Audacity. I know a lot of podcasters use this for their recording software, and I used to use it to manipulate the podcast that I download. Whether it's cutting into a piece, cutting out a piece to send to somebody, or fixing it so it's listenable, Audacity is my go-to program. I don't know what all the options it has actually do, but there are there if I need them. Yep. Very true. It's a nice program. We both used it, and we actually use it for our podcast. Yeah, we've got it open and recording right now. I used to use Sony SoundForge. Actually, I think SoundForge... Uh, I think Sony bought SoundForge. It used to be a different uh, company that did it. Uh, Sonic Foundry, I believe, was the company that used to do it. SoundForge was great, but Audacity is absolutely everything I need, and much more. We'll do a... We, uh, we'll do. Did we do it? We did one about podcasting before, didn't we? Did we do an episode about podcasting? I can't remember. I oh no, it was someone else. It was uh, Trolls did an episode about podcasting. Yeah, and you made everyone sit around and answer a bunch of questions and pretend we were civilized human beings. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know how what convincing the fuck is that we about? <laughs> Pretending we're civilized. What kind of weird world is this we live in? No, you 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 smell. One where uh, ditch sniffers uh, run the show. <laughs> ditch sniffers. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Trolls. We miss you. All right, next. Next, number three, auto-clickers. <laughs> I first went looking for one with a connection, in connection with Cookie Clicker, and I found this thing called Free Mouse Auto-Clicker, and it has served me many well with stupid clicking games. Recently, I ran a class, NI Auto-Clicker, which has the added feature of clicking in one spot on a page and letting you go off and open other things without messing it up. I find this particularly useful with clicker heroes. I know tech-savvy folks like you probably just write your own auto-clickers when you feel like it, but I don't know that much. Oh, I've never used an auto-clicker for those games of you. Uh, no. Especially I'm with... I'm a clicker game right now on my phone while we podcast, and I don't think I have an auto-clicker. Is Adventure Capitalist a clicker, per se? It has... It's, it's an idle game, but you don't really click something to get progress. What about during the events? Yeah, I guess so. That's a little different, I, I think. That's to maintain... I guess... You could use a clicker in Adventure Capitalist. 
You could. I never use it, especially with uh, Clicker Heroes that he mentions, because in that game, I forget if it's something you have to unlock or if it's always inherent, but if you don't click anything for 60 seconds, it puts you in idle mode, which boosts your non-clicking uh, generator per second thingy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That gives you uh, more, more points per second because you're relying on the heroes rather than your uh, main uh, Yeah. Power. So, as I recall, it boosts your heroes if you don't click for ten for 30 seconds or 60 seconds or something. Anyway, a lot of people use auto-clickers, and if that's how you enjoy your game, then, then auto-click on. Exactly. Number four, a partition thingy. <laughs> Ooh, descriptive. Back when we would sometimes compress a hard drive for space, people would often have an uncompressed partition to run basic system and other and another partition to be compressed. Other people like me thought it sounded like a good idea, but didn't want to delete our current hard drive and have to reinstall everything. Then came along this program, which you could partition your hard drive without deleting it. What you could do is remove a bunch of stuff to reduce the amount of memory used on your hard drive down to what you want your uncompressed section to take up, and then defrag the drive to move all files to the beginning of the drive. I had a little bit of a hang-up when one of the system files in the root directory somehow got stuck near the end of the drive and was unable to move. I had to change its attributes, defrag again, move it, then change the attributes back. Hmm. You then would take this program, whose name I don't remember, and it would uh, take the unused section and partition it off. You could format new partition and compress it for use then. Cool. And yes, I know something called partition magic came along later and could do the same thing, but that cost money and I never touched it. I use partition magic. Yeah, me too. And how many times did you break your hard drive? Ugh, I didn't break my hard drive. I just had to stay up to fix my my uh, operating system because I had I had exams coming up and I needed to, a working computer. Yeah, I, I I I did similar things. I broke my computer pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I broke my partitions. I lost my data. I no longer dynamically change partitions. I plan them in advance, or I copy it to another device. Yep, same here. I. Uh don't try and partition when you don't know what the hell you're doing, because that's how I lost two operating systems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so much fun. But it also was an opportunity to learn how to use the Microsoft Recovery Disk that came with Windows XP. That's right. Okay. N- number five. Wow, this is a long, long letter. <laughs> well, no, we're just talking alone. Yes. Another compression program whose name I don't remember. This one was for storing stuff on floppy disks. You would put the correct files in your config.sys and autoexec.back files, and you could format floppy disks higher than their allocated listed capacity. I don't recall how much exactly, but it seemed to recall that it could format five and a quarter inch one meg high density floppies to 1.5 megabytes. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't have it for long when I had a three and a half inch 1.44 meg high density floppy drive, but I think. It might have been able to format up to 1.7 meg. Ooh. Hmm. Now, you couldn't read disk formatted this way unless your computer had the program, but we used it for backing up our files. And that leads me into talking on operating systems because my history with upgrading is the, is the history stuff of stuff not working anymore. Yay! <laughs> I lived with DOS for quite a long time, but I felt like I had to upgrade when I got a CD-ROM drive that I didn't have in the drive didn't have the driver for. My friend suggested that I upgrade to Windows 95 and eventually I gave in. 
The first thing that didn't work anymore was that floppy disk compression program I just talked about. Oh. Also, about 80% of the icons I used just didn't show up anymore, being replaced with generic with a generic icon. I have no idea why in either case. I, why in either case. I struggled with the interface for a while until my brother showed me how to put the entire start menu into a folder on the desktop. <laughs> I was pleased with that since manipulating the start... Uh, since manipulating the folders and subfolders into places I thought should, I thought they should be, it was much more like how I was used to, I used to organize Windows 3.1. I think my brother. Oh, this is just, this is just like good old program. Progman. Progman. That's cute. Windows 98 came along with an entirely new computer, which our friend Tom put together from old stuff he had sitting around his apartment and shipped to, and shipped to us from California. As a bit of humor, he also included a bill of lading and bill for the parts from filthy dog slime computers. He didn't actually charge us anything. Since I didn't install it myself, it took me a bit to realize that none of my DOS games had sound anymore. I even went out and bought a sound card since the computer from filthy dog slime had sound on the motherboard. <laughs> hoping that it would fix the issue. It didn't. I just had to live without sound in DOS games for quite a long time until the coming of DOSBox, which that... Windows 98 computer could not run very well. Wait, DOSBox, yeah. No, DOSBox wasn't around in Windows 98, unless he kept it for a long time. Anyway. Yeah, it's possible he kept it for a while. Okay. Windows XP came as the next computer, which was a compact special that Tom helped us out with. Essentially, all the rebates brought it down to 350 but Tom, t- Tom took it on himself took it on himself the trouble of getting the rebates. There were a number of problems with the machine, such as the modem didn't work because the assembler hadn't been put into a slot properly and the tech support was pretty awful. We ended up turning to Tom for most tech support questions. However, the OS I really didn't have any gripes with. Plus, it had a feature that would make sure that old drivers didn't get installed over new ones, which was nice. I guess that's probably why I have the least anim... I guess that's probably why I have the least animos- amount of anim- animosity for Windows XP. Yeah, I had a pretty good experience with Windows XP. Yeah, me too. Brain. Yeah, that would be my phone bringusing. Oh yeah, I haven't uh, installed my really annoying uh, notification sounds yet. I'll oh, see if I yes. can. F- I'll find a better one this time. Please do. I do not need one that sounds that like goes dwange. Every phone notification goes dwange, doesn't no, it? No, mine goes ding. Here goes doing. Yeah, but yours sounds like a magnet on a hard drive. Dwange. Some years later, my... Okay, sorry, continuing with the uh, letter. Yes. Some years later, my wife came into some inheritance money, and we spent a chunk of it on a new computer. Having been burned in the past, we were going for Filthy Slime Dog computer. And tech support from Filthy Slime Dog is just unmatched. The OS that came with it was Windows Vista, with a free upgrade to 7 when it came out. I can't remember which one I did, but this was the end of being able to put the start menu in a folder on my desktop, which I had to jump through more and more hoops to do with each upgrade. Now I have to drag and drop things in the start menu itself. Organizing things the way I want is a pain. And let's not forget that Windows 3.1 games no longer work. (laughs) That computer came along in 2008 with some upgrades, and we still use that one today. Ah, well, I enjoyed this trip down memory lane. Maybe sometime we can talk about free games instead of utilities. Not shareware or free-to-play. Free! Hmm. That's a good idea. That is a good idea. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe we'll do that. Yes, we will. I don't know how many free games I can think of, but I can think of a few. All right, let's do that. We'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll put that on our uh, to do list. Okay. All right. So thank you very much for that letter, Father Beast. Uh, there's something I wanted to comment on, and what was that? I don't know if you can you can't do it anymore in Windows 10. I'm pretty sure, but even in Windows 7, I believe it's in. Uh, C colon slash users slash username. There's a folder called start, and that allows you to manipulate the contents of your start menu using Windows Explorer in folders. I believe we've been able to do that since Windows 95. It might actually, it might actually have been split between folders. There was like your user and all users. And I don't think Windows 7 really uses the all users folder for your start menu anymore. So it should all be in, in there. Mm-hmm. If that's the way you prefer. Yeah. I believe I'm going to mention this later. It's been so long since I wrote the notes for this for this week's uh, topic. Um, but in general now, I used to be very resistant against the changes that came with a new copy of Windows, a new version of Windows, and now I just try to embrace them because it becomes harder and harder to resist them. Yeah. So I try to learn about them, and then I try to put it into my workflow, and if I don't like it, I just turn it off. But usually I find a way. Mm-hmm. And before we proceed too far, um, we mentioned this before that the uh, next year, next year August or September, September twenty seventeen, we are going to be going to Japan, and we've been talking about the ways of keeping our roaming charges minimal, preferably at the cost of zero dollars. Oh right, zero for cents. Uh, for uh, data on our phones. Yes, and so we were talking about this the other day, and the top and. Uh, Brian mentioned uh, Google Fi, we not, and we know that that's twenty dollars, and it would give us uh, the ability to have some data. It wouldn't, we wouldn't have the best download, but it would give us. Uh, well, I don't know if they have it in Japan. Mm-hmm. We should look into it. Mm-hmm. But that's why we're bringing it up. We wanted to know if you guys had any tips about data plans while you're in another country. Mm-hmm. And I know that we were also considering a Wi-Fi device, like a portable one. Yeah, it's, we did a little research on it, and it seems like in Japan you can rent a Wi-Fi device. It's like $50 a week or something like that, but it's unlimited internet wherever you want to go. I don't know if that's the restricted to big cities or what. Mm-hmm. So if you guys have any advice, we're all ears. Yep. The nice thing about that is uh, we would be able to Skype home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So... Let us know about that. That would be great if we could get some advice. Or even if you just want to talk about your experience with uh, data roaming. Yeah. Yeah. Any unpleasant surprises or any ingenious solutions, please let us know. Mm-hmm. So, as you... And now, for what we played this week... Well, you can obviously guess we played World of Warcraft. Uh, what else have we played? What else have we played? Did we do anything? We didn't really do anything in World of Warcraft that was worth mentioning. It's just that we're making the most of this new transmogrification functionality. They made it easier to switch the the uh, appearance of your equipment without it changing the statistics of it. So you can play dress up and look look however you want. That involves collecting the piece of gear that you want your gear to look like. So you have to actually accomplish these deeds in order to later use the look of the gear that dropped. And you don't always get all the gear that drops. If you if you want to look like uh, the gear that drops from a raid, for example, you have to do the raid repeatedly until all the pieces of that set, or at least the pieces that you want, have uh, dropped from the bosses, and then you can make your guy look like that. We so were, that gives us something to do because yeah. we enjoy doing that old content. Mm-hmm. I was pretty lucky. I think I got my I got one I got in an almost the entire set of something. The only thing I didn't get was the boots. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll have to we'll have to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, the yeah. boots don't even show up because it's a it's a long robe that goes to the ground. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. So Bianca and I have enjoyed playing some of that old stuff mm-hmm. together. It's been a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? We played Adventure Capitalist this week. There was an event. Yeah, it was a tedious event. Uh, it was tedious, and I I did, I gave up on finishing this time. Well, we were kind of penalized, I guess, because we were away last weekend, so mm-hmm. there was a, a couple of days that we didn't get to play it, which put us behind. In the end, uh, so in these events, there's often a multiplier that you can that you can use if you like click a button to start it, and then you have to keep clicking a button to maintain it. Mm-hmm. So we put on a movie, and I clicked that button for like an hour and a half nonstop, and that's how I finished my event. And I offered to do it for you, but I guess we waited too long. Yeah. You weren't that interested. You had already given up. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else did you play this week? Um, I tried to play one of my finest, finest shit games, but Brian began to piss and moan about how he's so sick of me playing this stuff. I don't mind when you play find the shit games. It's the fact that they have story. And the story takes itself so seriously, and it's so bad. I apologize for discouraging you. He whines and it makes me feel bad and then I quit because I can't take it anymore. I think it was because I was playing something else in the meantime and it was making me poop myself. (laughs) It's hard to play story-based games in this household sometimes because the other person's playing a story-based game and you don't want to get in their way. Well, it's not just playing a story-based game. It's playing a game with someone who can't keep their trap shut for two seconds to let you pretend you're enjoying it. Oh yeah, that's me. Um, let's look at our histories here. You play anything else lately? Mm. Well, we played, um, Shonen Idol Zed. Eh, it's just another adventure capitalist style game. We just got started in it. It's cute. It's all right. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it's worth our time. Oh, we're getting very, speaking of adventure capitalists, we're getting very, very close to finishing that game, it seems. They added all these multipliers and stuff. They had a major patch, the 4.0 patch. Mm-hmm. And, uh... They added a lot of generous multipliers and stuff for the main game, which is Earth, which seemed like it could not be finished, but just with several, several multipliers, the end is within reach. I bet in a month or two we'll be finished. Maybe even before, maybe even before then. Maybe less. I have a feeling that they put out these multipliers for Earth because there might there was not just demand, but they might be eventually releasing another planet, and they want... Could be. Mm-hmm. Could be. They want to get new users, and they want to appease the old. They want to appease the uh, loyal users. Well, from the uh, discussion boards on Steam, it sounds like people who like to get a hundred percent of achievements in a game they don't appreciate when a game when a game adds more achievements. So this game has kind of been the bane of the achievement hunters because it's very very a long road to finish it. True, and I'm surprised these same people don't go on and complain about Skyrim and DLC adding achievements. I mean, some of the games mm. that add DLC always add, well, sometimes add achievements. Like, I know Sky, I know Oblivion Skyrim did. I'm sure those people cry, too. Oh, they probably cried so much. And it's like, they're adding content. Why the fuck are you crying about it? Go get your completionist again. Well, that's it, exactly. You can't win. I'd rather they add more content than not, personally. Me too. I like free stuff. Me too. I like free stuff. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. So let's see. Well, something I played this week was One Must Fall 2097, which is a old DOS fighting game. You guys are probably familiar with that. It's a, a robot Street Fighter 2 kind of a game, which was a lot of fun. I have to um, 
It holds up pretty well. You only get like two special moves per character, but they're different. The, the different robots are different heights, and some of them are hunched over, and that means that some moves will hit some robots, but it will go over the heads of others. There's a little bit of strategy, strategy about it. There's also the environmental hazards where you'll have planes flying by that shoot uh, machine guns or uh, spikes that come out of the background that you can't be standing in front of or it does some damage to you. Mm. It's a fun little game. It's got nice graphics. It has terrific music. Uh, I played it a hell of a lot as a kid. There's a hidden option somewhere that I forget how to access. Um, That game, instead of blood... um, when you punch a robot, a whole bunch of like metal uh, panels and screws fall out of it. And there was some way, there was some like hidden option to use for to generate like ten times as many screws that fall out of you, and they <laughs> shower all over the place and bounce all over the floor, and oh, it looks awesome. Great. I can't remember how to invoke that. I'll have to uh, I'll have to look that up. It sounds great. Yeah, that was a fun game. That was the Epic Mega Games <laughs> game, which is a a company whose name you are very free to to make fun of as you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I played a little bit of the new Dune, Doom game again after listening to Joe's podcast. Hello, Joe. He did a an extended memories episode of his uh, of uh, the new Doom game, and that game I loved it while I was playing it. And kind of in retrospect, I like it a little bit less for whatever reason. I guess it's because. There's just uh, the best parts of Doom are when you're when you're in the middle of frantic combat, and that game has so much platforming and stuff and finding secrets um, that it really changes the pace of the game. Yeah, it sounds like that's almost like pandering to console players, the platforming and secrets. Um, in a way, the unlocks and yeah, finding secrets that's very consolely, that's like arcadey. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's a good game. I just don't know if I'll play it again yet. Maybe I maybe I was premature in reinstalling it. Mm-hmm. I'll give it some time. Um, I think that's all that I've played that's been worthwhile to mention lately. Yeah. You too? Mm, yeah. Oh, I forget whether I mentioned this last time, actually. But I've been playing this Android game called... Called... Idle Mage Attack. Idle Mage Attack. I have not seen him play a game this long, I don't know, in, like, ever. Yeah, so this is an idle game. It's a game where you have a little... Your, your character is a mage, and it runs around in an environment that scrolls up, so you just proceed by zapping enemies. Um, you can choose the skills that your little mage has. There's many, many, many skills to choose from, but you can only have five on your bar. And the longer you use a skill, the more it levels up. So um, the idea is to find uh, complementary skills that uh, that uh, improve each other, that work well together. Um, so it's a pretty hands-off game, except that there's little power-ups. Some of them are instant power-ups when you tap them, and some of them are power-ups that go into your inventory, and you can use them when you want to. So... Uh, you there's probably something to tap every ten seconds or so, and it's optional whether you want to tap them, but you probably do want to. Um, yeah, because I know that the little circles give you a little burst of damage, which is nice. And then uh, the squares when you inventory, and they either uh, get, they contribute significantly to damage, health, etc. 
I couldn't. I could. I played it a little bit, but it got a tad tedious for me. And I'm, and I'm more than happy to play uh, a boring, tedious game sometimes. But for some reason, I just couldn't get into this tedious, tedious game. It's uh, it's slow. It's a slow game. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm enjoying about it, though. There's like slow, steady progress, and there's little progress, and there's big progress, and you kind of alternate between those. Mm-hmm. So I love it. It's as uh, far as I know, it's for Android only. I'll put a link in the show notes. Idle Mage Attack. It's very, very well programmed. What I really like is that when you go in and out of menus, it zooms the main game window into the corner in this nice, smooth zooming animation where you can see the live progress while you're looking around in the menus. It's a very well programmed game. That is a nice feature. That's when I did like that about the game. Yeah, and I like hi Joey. I like the AI as well of your your guy choosing what to attack and running around on his own. It's it's uh, I think it's an ingenious little game. Yeah, and you said and you said you left a review for the programmer who said it was his first major undertaking. Oh, I, I left a review just saying I thought it was a well programmed game, and the programmer said thank you. It's actually the most sophisticated program he's ever written, and he learned a lot. So that was a nice bit of feedback to get back. Mm-hmm. I like it when the programmers respond to your review. Sometimes it seems that uh, they just, it's like you're, the game's so big and popular that they don't do it. But if you play the smaller games on Android, sometimes you uh, get a, a small time developer who's uh, doing this and then uh, they give you a response. I usually like when the programmer replies, but sometimes you just want to say, oh, this this aspect of the game sucks. And you don't necessarily want to hear back from the programmer about it. Unless they're they going, oh, thank you. I uh, fixed that now. Please try it again. That's true. That has happened to me before where I'll say, this is a great game except for this one feature kind of ruined it for me. And the programmer has replied and said, I thought about it and I decided to take that out. I hope you'll try it again. So that's kind of cool, I mm-hmm. guess. That's what I mean. Sometimes the smaller uh, time programmers for these games, it's it, they, they will interact with the community, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't expect it all the time, but I'm just saying it's a nice touch when they do. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. What were we talking about? Your, uh, just the reviews of, uh, of uh, Android games. Oh, right. That guy. Okay. Well, that's done. Yeah. 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 So we have no more games that we played that are interesting and should we move on into our topic and read our letters? Yes, let's do that. So we have two letters today. I'll go first. We have two letters today. The first one is from Robert Menes. Thank you for the letter, Robert. Hello. He says, hi, Squares. Let's talk a bit about OS customization. Right, that's our topic for the day. Of course. I guess I can start with when I... Did when I did have to run Windows for certain tasks, and of course, I did explore customizing the shell icons and even to a small degree, the behavior of Windows. And of course, I'll talk a bit about doing the same in Linux. For Windows, I did have icon packs to change various system icons into whatever I wanted. Since Windows 90X used more or less the same 16 color icons that Windows 3.x did, I used to buy some of those old icon pack floppies from the shops or download some off of various BBSs. Who didn't love changing something like my computer into a little icon of Batman symbol or putting (laughs) Calvin and Hobbes' network neighborhood or something like that? Or taking pictures you found online and making them your wallpaper? I remember one I had of Aphex Twins logo that adorned my desktop for a time in the 90s, which then got cycled with various pictures of punk bands I was into. Yeah, I used to change my icons, too. I loved the icons from... I found an icon pack of the animated icons from The Seventh Guest, Chattering Teeth and a Pulsating oh, yeah, Brain I and stuff. That. I know I, ch- I had uh, custom icons with starting in Windows XP. Yeah, oh yeah. But uh, I didn't have any custom icons in uh, Windows 95. Oh yeah, I did it as far back as 3.1. Even my um, mouse cursors. I loved animated mouse cursors. 
Um, I always had an anime mouse cursor too. Those were fun. Yes, they were. Uh, however, that's all scratching the surface. When I ran Windows 2000, I discovered Stardock. Stardock was the creator of various tools for 2000 and XP that would allow one to customize nearly every single aspect of the Windows UI. One that I did, one that I did, and this was in the early days of Mac OS X and its Aqua interface, was download and install a near-perfect reproduction of the Aqua UI into Windows 2000 using Stardock. It was so good that it even redrew the minimize, maximize, and close buttons on the upper left corner of any and all windows, replicating the behavior of Aqua so close that you'd be rather hard-pressed to see the difference. I'm going to talk about Starduck stuff later. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I, uh, don't, I used it too, but oh, I can't yeah. remember wh- where. Maybe when I talk about it, it will jog your memory. Mm-hmm. Okay. On the Linux side of things, it's a little different. As there are a huge number of window managers and desktop environments to pick from, they all have their own ways to customize them. But that's too much for one letter, so I'll talk about the ones I did use. Uh, I first used one called F, sorry, FVWM95, which offered a simple, a simple Windows 95-like UI. I then used a DM desktop manager called WindowMaker, which took its look and feel from Next Step. It was also extensively customizable with a dock, dockable applets, and full theming support. I used Window Maker for several years, but sadly don't have one of my old themes for it. I then switched to a full desktop environment, KDE, which was a powerful Windows-esque GUI with full theme support. I currently use XFCE, a lightweight environment on my machines. On my laptop, XFCE has an OSX-like theme applied, and on my desktop, I have a blue, dark black, a dark blue black theme icons on both our standard tango icons anyway that's enough blabber out of me hope this letter covers all the bases and i look forward to the next topic peace out beep yay yay beep thank you very much robert good to hear from you uh we for those who are interested in linux customization by the way um i don't remember which episode it is but i'll put it in the show notes we uh had robert menez on to talk about uh using linux Mm -hmm. it was the first time we had him on the show wasn't it yep we should have him back yes we should uh, and make it on our terms (laughs) well just kidding we can listen to him talk about whatever he wants yeah no kidding he's a great guy good to hear from you robert our next one is from emmanuel perion good to hear from you again emmanuel he says, hi, Tootie and poor basic humans. Yay, that, we're poor basic humans. Then we have Tootie here biting my arm. Hello, Tootie. You like getting scratched? Yes, you yeah, like she does, especially tootie. right now. She has uh, awful, awful pin feathers. Oh, you poor baby. Hi, Tootie. So about OS customization. I was deep into that a few years ago. I started my computing life with an Amiga 500 and a little later with an Atari ST. There wasn't much you could do on those, and without a hard drive or battery, changes were not even remembered once powered off, so I just kept on playing games. On the PC side, I started out with Lite PC for Windows 98 SE, because I've always been a minimalist maniac. This app was about removing Windows components, uh, and it allowed the removal of quite a few Windows elements, making it, supposedly, faster to start, smaller, etc. It's still on sale, so grab it now. Oh, he gives me a link. I'll put that in the show notes. Light PC for Windows 98. Wow. In 2000. Mm-hmm. And it's not a terribly hideous website, either. Well, it's pretty old-fashioned. It's old-fashioned, but it's not hideous. It's copyright 1998 to 2007, so it's they haven't touched it for a decade, almost. Yep. Even but, still... I, Even still. It's not hideous. That's it's all functional. I can say. 
When I switched to XP, I bought it the day it was released here in France. I really started to get into it deeper because I didn't like the taskbar assist tray. So I tried numerous third-party softwares, including Windstep, Next Start, Lightstep, Talisman, and some more stuff to paint or texture the taskbar, but none of those gave me great results. I also tried window blinds, object docks, and other star dock application aimed at icon replacement, but quickly gave up on those as well as they tended to be unstable. Windows blind, that's the one I used. Window blinds, yeah, that was a star dock one. I think I talk about that later. Mm -hmm. I use that a lot. That was a fun one. Yep. The true customization, although that's not a visual thing, came with N-Lite, which, just like 98 Lite, allowed you to remove a hell of a lot of components, services, media stuff, etc., apply things automatically right after installation, etc. I ended up making my own XP ISOs every six months or so, and reinstalling the OS on each of those occasions, which wasn't a big deal as I already used portable apps at the time, mid-2000s. Then I had my custom color theme made with 3DCC and Display Set, which were more powerful than the Windows theme tool. He has links for those ones as well, so I will open those and put those into the show notes. I did this until 2014 and the end of support for XP. Jeez, that's hanging on a long time. Yeah. Where I switched to 8.1 and a year later to 10. I'm still using NT Lite, the successor to NLite, to get rid of the crap and to make up-to-date ISOs, but I'm quite happy with its look. I just apply my eye-friendly dark theme, put the taskbar at the right side. I don't get why most people don't do this, considering we all have widescreens. Yes, good man. I don't do it, but I agree. And it makes more sense to me. Pin only eight apps I regularly use to the taskbar, never use the start menu, and I'm good to go. All the apps I use are portable and on my D partition, so I'm fine with whatever happens to C. And I use Total Commander as my file explorer, which is portable as well as has internal file associations, so this is something else I don't have to take care of when reinstalling. I think Anatoly uses Total Commander too. That's all, folks. Today, I basically try to make things as easy, simple, and quick as possible, both for everyday use and in the case I have to reinstall the OS. So I said goodbye to a lot of add-ons and third-party software. With age with age comes will to simplify, I guess. Emmanuel. Thank you very much, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I appreciated hearing from you. Mm-hmm. I poked him a little bit because I knew that he did some interesting stuff, like his reliance on portable applications. He doesn't like when applications install themselves uh, deeply into the OS. He likes when they're portable and just easy to install. But you don't even have to install them. You just copy them. You copy them to your PC and all the settings are there in its own folder. So that's an interesting use case that's less and less popular over time. But uh, it's great to hear from someone who does that. Um, (laughs) So before we get to our own notes on the topic, um, since I've been playing around with beta versions of Windows 10 lately, I've been using something called the Windows Insider Feedback Hub. And I found a really funny, interesting uh, uh, bug submission or a feedback report on here from someone that I thought it would uh, be fun to read out on the air. Do you want me to read it, or do you want to read that? Uh, let's, uh, let's take Sorry, a it's a screenshot. You'll have to zoom in. I hope it's clear. It looks like it's clear. I just have to uh, zoom in a little more. Oh, yeah. If I zoom in, you know, like 200,000%, I can actually see it. You're like, you little itty bitty picture for you to look at. Right. That's one note for you. Okay. Having zoomed into the itty bitty little picture, here's the uh, very... some. Articulate feedback from Windows Insider Hub. Okay. You can skip the title because they just got that from the body of the... Okay. 
Can you guys actually build a stable operating system anymore? I thought Windows 8 was bad, but Windows 10 takes the cake. Cortana barely works anymore, and even if it opens, I can find program faster manually, provided that it doesn't fail to load a third up, causing the whole taskbar to be non-functional. I've had to reinstall Windows at least three times and have to run System Restore many more times, trying to keep it in working order, only to have efforts rendered useless. The machine cannot receive updates, seeing as Windows update now freezes at 0%. All the time at zero percent, no matter what fix I try recommended on Windows Forum, you guys really need to sit down and take some time to make Windows 10 properly and stop rushing through it and forcing all the programs onto us users. It's sad to think <laughs> where Windows is going now, frankly, and I'm sick and tired of Windows on. The only reason I'm still using it is because I can't run all my games on Linux Mint, which, for the record, sadly trumps Windows 10 in every way. If you guys are going to make an operating system, make it stable. For Pete's sake, people. You're going to you're going to loss it in the long run if you guys keep pissing off your users' windows. Used only used to be better than this. It is sad to see two bad OSs in a row now. Take your time and do it right. You're not only operating system out there, and if users have to they'll run an old Windows OS in a virtual environment instead of having a physical machine anymore, it's pathetic. People, get your acts together. Yay. That I was, was trying that, to read it. But that was it's, one sentence. Oh, it's no punctuation. That was a paragraph with no punctuation, no line breaks. You did a good job of that. Good, <laughs> Thank you for reading that out. <laughs> so it's, it's a little shocking just reading through the feedback people submit. How many people complain about the unpolished state of the beta builds that they opted oh, in to receive? That's so stupid. That's why I don't do it because I know... If I'm not, it's not going to be a stable, and I don't want to deal with that, so I deal with a stable version. Yeah, that's right. It's very easy to switch back to the stable version. I don't know why people, some people choose whatever. They want to be offended, and they want to complain. They do. That's exactly it's just, it. It's just, I don't know what it is. It seems like all of a sudden there's a huge, it, it's trendy to be offended at something. Even if it's otherwise innocuous, it's time to find a way to be offended at non-offensive stuff. Yeah. So that being said, sorry, I'm just writing down something. Okay. That being said. Let's be offended. Look at all our notes, jeez. I'm offended at how many notes there are. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'm offended that it's getting warm in our apartment, but for the benefit of the sound quality, we turn our air conditioner off. I find it actually is finally cooler now. It was initially warm when you first opened the door and I had to turn off the fan. Let's talk about temperature. Let's talk about partitioning. Yay! Why don't you go first? Sure. So Father Beast mentioned partitioning. They both, uh, and so did uh, Emmanuel. They both mentioned partitioning and what their 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 uh, basic schemes are. Mm-hmm. So Emmanuel's is a little closer to ours, I guess. Emmanuel said that he kind of has the the system files on the C drive and then applications on the D drive, mm-hmm. so that he can wipe the C drive without losing too much on the D drive. Yeah. So we do something kind of similar, I guess. I mean. Uh, I, I, um, because you and I, um, install our applications like deep into the operating system, we don't do all that portable stuff that Emmanuel does. I, I keep most of my stuff on the C drive now. I have documents on my D drive or on a, on a separate drive. It's actually on my V drive where I put my virtual machines. Why don't I start off by saying, why don't we start off by saying what partitions we have? Okay. I have three uh, physical hard disks. I have my my operating system goes on my solid state drive, which is its own independent drive. So that means if Windows goes, I'm not really going to lose anything other than stuff I've already backed up. 
Or stuff you can reinstall. Exactly. So really, the biggest thing I'm going to lose is my Sims installation and the f- images. Who cares? Um, My World of Warcraft installation and the add-ons I have for it. We should back those up, actually. We spend a lot of time on our add-ons. Mm-hmm. Let's see. That's about it. Mostly just applications and, and games that I want to run really quickly. But I don't have a lot on my solid-state drive. So what are your partitions, though? You talked about your physical drives. Okay. So my solid-state drive is Corolla, being C. Now we ha- then I have my uh, my regular uh, hard disk drive, seventy five hundred RPM. Oh yeah, your mechanical drive. Yeah, this was I actually had I had more partitions before, but then when my, my hard drive died a few months ago, so after moving everything onto this new one, I settled on having only two partitions instead of the uh, previous three that I had. So I've divided that hard drive into two main groups. Quetzal, which is, or Q, my Q drive, which is my music, torrents, and videos. I have that set to take up 600 gigabytes. And then my games drive is humongous. I have that being 2 terabytes. And that's my X drive, Zenin. How much is free on your 2 terabyte game partition? Okay, let's see. That's a very good question. Let's go explore and find out how much is free on that. Only 600 gigs. Out of 2 terabytes? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, um, my quite... Oh, I think I have more than that, actually. I uh, I should look at that. You're looking at it right there. Uh, Quetzal, and this this is one drive. Oh, I think I have almost... partition, yeah. Yeah. My... uh, So you have games on X, and you have all your other documents and images on Q? Yeah. Okay. It's videos, music, and all my other stuff. Okay. And then you have an external hard drive. Yes, which is almost full of the brim. And that's Francium. <laughs> of course it is. F, my F drive. Well, my names are a little <laughs> less creative. I have my C drive is my system, and that's my solid state drive. And then I have a, a mechanical hard drive. It's uh, three terabytes. So my uh, it's partitioned. Uh, G is games, M is music, <laughs> and V is virtual machine images and hard disks. So and then my, your backup drive is Z. Yeah, well, that's by default. And you should name it Zebra or something. You need to name your drives. Don't you? They're like your children. Name your hard drive. Whatever. I'm just calling it external backup. If it was Z, I would call it Zebu, but I won't. It is Z. Look, external hard drive, Z. Call it Zebu. I'm not calling it Zebu. It's external backup, so I know where it is. What it is. Anyway. Um, so my C drive, yeah, it's a 250 gigabyte solid state drive. I only have 12 gigs free on it. I put games on there that... Uh, I should take off Doom, I guess, since I'm sure I'm not going to play it again now. I'll take that off, and that'll free up 60 gigs or something. Let's do that right now and see what it That's does. That's a good idea. <laughs> Doom is gone, and re- refresh. So from 12 gigs free to 75 gigs free. So that was sizable. Damn, that's big. That's a big game. I only have 20 gigs free on my C drive. Mm. Mm. Um... So my G drive is two terabytes, and I have half a terabyte free. G is games. My M drive for music is uh, 450 gigabytes, and I have 132 gigabytes free. That's all music, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Um, most It's 99% pots and pans with the occasional utensil. Yes, it is. My V drive is my virtual machine images. It's 200 gigs, and I have 73 gigs free. Those virtual machines get really big, especially Windows 7. For some reason, those those virtual machine hard disk images get huge. And then my Z drive is my external backup drive. So that's a four terabyte drive, and I, it's about half full. 
So same here. If I if I format my machine, I don't really care too much. Oh, and I moved, by the way, my by default. It used to be a bigger deal with documents and stuff. I kept that on a separate hard drive partition so that I wouldn't lose anything when I format. And I still do that just because I have, you know, it's a sizable partition and I don't need that on my solid start, solid state drive. It's just documents. So I move it to my V drive where my virtual machines are. I have a OneDrive folder. Um, but since by default Windows 10 backs up your documents to the cloud, it's not as important really. Well, I guess it's nice because if I format my C drive, I don't have to download my several gigs of documents every time I format, which isn't very often. It's not as often as it used to be anyway. Mm-hmm. But I keep that on my V drive now so that I can just point to that if I format and it won't have to re-download anything. It'll just confirm that those files are the latest copy that are on the cloud. All right, so that's partitions. Next. Okay, so this, I just, sorry, it's kind of new to me now. It's not new to me, but it's new to me for the first time in two weeks since I wrote these notes. So we're just going to kind of mention little uh, tweaks and stuff that we do or that we have done in the past to customize our OSs. Okay. So I think what you and I both do is on the Windows desktop, we increase the size of icons, of the desktop icons. Yeah. So you can do that. My stupid notes go. Oh. Um. Top left. Oh, bottom bar. Way to go. Um, So you can increase, at least in Windows 10, you can increase the size of icons by either right-clicking the desktop and choosing the size of the icons that you want. Where is it? It's under View. You can choose small, medium, or large. Mm -hmm. But what you can also do is click the desktop and hold the control key and use your mouse wheel up or down to make them bigger or smaller. And you can make them much bigger than the default. They're really high-resolution I think they're 256 by 2... No, I think they're 512 by 512 on Windows. Oh, that's, like, bigger than the original desktop. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like it's like one icon will be full screen on an old computer, basically. So I like doing that. You know, resolutions have gone up and up, but the size of icons have stayed the same. The resolution of icons has stayed the same for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I like making my icons bigger. They're so pretty. They, yeah, they I made my icons bigger, and I only have three icons on my desktop now. Well, good for you. I usually I try to keep no icons on my desktop. I have a couple of things on here that I've been working on. Uh, so you resize your icons too? Yes, I did, and I decided to make them even bigger because I'm like I don't need to keep a bunch of crap on my desktop, and it looks nicer this way. <laughs> I only have on my desktop the only things I have are computer, aka my computer, network, and recycle bin. Why do you have network? I don't know. It's, I've always had it. I can't take it off there. My desktop feels naked without it. Oh, I, my ideal is to only have recycle bin on my computer. But I have a few things on there just because I've been a slob lately. All right. Uh, next. Windows folder options. Oh, I do this every time I go to a... I settle into a computer every time I format or if I get a new laptop at work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, you show all the hidden folders. I show hidden folders and hidden files. And I show system folders. And I also choose Open Explorer Windows in a separate process. Yeah, it uses more really memory, but if one of your folders is misbehaving and you have to force close it, it only closes the one window instead of all of them. If yeah, you're... and it takes less processing power to close them all in the end. Yeah, that's right. Oh, because that used to be such a pain in the ass in Windows 95 and 98. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that they made them that they allow separate processes. Especially yeah, me too. if you've got a really powerful if you got a decently powerful enough computer. Yeah, it takes more not? memory, but negligible amounts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got a busy bird on me. All right, uh what next? 
St- uh, oh, Windows 10 start menu. So, of course, start menus are, are a big deal. Um, our start menus are pretty similar, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, you and I were both fans of Windows 8 and the start screen. Uh, I, I like the start screen. It was. It took a little get- Once I got used to it, I didn't miss my start button at all. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I preferred it to the old start button. The Windows 7 start button, I think, is... Well, I've, I've never been a fan of having a list of, like, 100 applications on a tiny little window that shows, like, 10 applications that you have to scroll, 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 scroll until you get what you want. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me. Um, so with Windows 7, you could put icons on your desktop. You can pin the icons to your taskbar. But the start menu was just didn't do it for me. The start menu didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I think the Windows 10 start menu is a good combination of Windows 7 and Windows 8. It's a start menu. You can scroll, scroll, scroll through your long list of icons mm-hmm. if you want to. And then you get that sort of metro uh, interface, but it doesn't take up the whole screen. It just takes up what is as much space as you need it to. Yeah, it's resizable, which is great. So you yeah. can add those. You can. I think you can shrink it down so that there's none. Oh, no, you can't. There's always one column. But... Uh, I have three columns because I use so many of those icons. Yep. I have fewer columns, and I have only the most important, the only most relevant apps I need on there. In fact, I could probably streamline this down to be almost nothing. I mean, what do I have on here that's even important anymore? It's a bunch of garbage I got in here. Yeah, I try to... I have a lot of icons on here, but they're things that I click pretty frequently. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So I, I, I like that a lot. And as always, what I love about the Windows 10 and Windows 8 start menus or start screen is that um, instead of icons, it has tiles, which means that some applications have a live tile that will give you a little bit of information right on the start menu without having to run the application. So we both have weather and calendar live tiles Yep. so that we can see the weather and the, and the calendar without having to actually open the application. It gives you a little peek at what the current status is. So I love that. Nice little time saver. And you can click them to get more information if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, in Windows 7... Sorry, reading my own notes here. Windows 7 start menu. Okay. Right. So in the Windows 7... In Windows 7, I would right-click start menu and go to customize... And I add a few things. I display the control panel as a menu. Usually the control panel is on there just as a link. But when you make it a menu, you can hover over it and see the different icons for the control panel instead of having to click it. So I always like that because I access the control panel pretty often. Um, I hide some options and show others on the Windows 7 start menu. And... Uh, oh, and I like to increase the number of recent programs that are shown in jump lists. So a jump list is when on your taskbar you right-click an icon and it shows you a list of the number of recently uh, accessed uh, files or documents. Sometimes I like to increase that depending on, I don't know, depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good for stuff like... Um... It's good for Steam if you want to see what game you played 13 games ago. <laughs> or it's good for, if you use Word a lot, it's good to see you know, what, what uh, you may have opened you know, a month and a half ago. So it's good that we have the option, at least. You can also reduce the number if you want to. Okay. Now let's talk about our desktops. Do you want to go first? Uh, you go first. For the we desktop. already did this, didn't we? Yeah. Wait, what do we say? Desktop. 
You oh so when I talked about you you your your notes don't really reflect mine actually because when I said mm-hmm. desktop I kind of meant what was on the desktop yeah well I'll but, say mine first anyway okay so I mentioned already that my ideal is to have recycle bin as the only icon on my desktop um I used to use tons of icons all over my desktop I found an old uh, screenshot of an old uh, install of Windows I guess it's XP because it's all skinned and shit. Oh, you guys are going to laugh at me when you see what this looks like. Oh, that's so hideous. I had icons everywhere. Uh, So, yeah, Windows XP, it didn't have great, uh, you know, it had a start menu, but it wasn't a very good start menu. So I had to put icons all over the place. So you guys will laugh when you see this screenshot of my old desktop. Um, I love Internet Explorer on the desktop. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I used Internet Explorer for uh, a while when it was was, uh, new. It's uh, it's still a good uh, web browser. It just... uh, doesn't have the features of other ones that uh, I grew to rely on. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I, the most shocking thing I guess I used to do with uh, my desktop was that I had icons everywhere and they were kind of separated into different themes in the different corners of my desktop. So um, at the top left, I had my computer, add remove programs, and my system apps, if any, like um, in my screenshot here, I have the Catalyst control panel, which is what you use to control a uh, an ATI, and now AMD, I guess, uh, video card. Um, in the top middle, I had games, and I usually had lots of lots of games stacked in the top middle. At the top right, I had web browsers. So, what do I have in my screenshot? Internet Explorer and Firefox. On the right, I have various clutter and downloads. On the bottom right, I have my recycle bin. In the bottom middle, I have my frequently accessed folders, so downloads, and I have a folder for eDonkey there as well, naughty naughty. Wow, that's... That's old, I know. <laughs> bottom left, I had network places and my remote desktop shortcuts and uh, a link to browse the files on other computers, such as my, uh, my old Windows web server. And on the left in the middle, I have utilities and firewalls like AdAware Ad- and SpyBot and stuff like that. Glad we don't need that stuff anymore. So, yeah, that's eight different locations. Oh, and in the very middle as well, I would keep some things as well. So that's nine locations for my various icons. Um, I'll talk about it. I have it listed later, but I'll mention it now. You and I talked about this before. Uh, Iconoid. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So the problem with having icons all over the place is that, on your desktop, is that if you... Um, change resolutions, or if you play an old game that, you know, forces your resolution down to 640 by 480, mm-hmm. it squishes all your icons into the top left-hand corner when you change your resolution back. So Iconoid was a great little freeware application that we used that remembers the location of all your icons. So if your stuff gets moved around, you just run Iconoid and it rest- restores the locations of your icons to where they were. So that was me resisting against uh, that was me resisting against uh, Windows trying to you know, organize my icons for me. And I did that for a long time. Now, instead, I just have the one icon on my desktop and then I don't have to fight with it anymore. Yeah. Good idea. All right. What do you have for desktop? Let's see. Mm, I've been trying to find desktop uh, screenshots, but I don't really think I have any. Oh, too bad. Yeah, I kept a bunch of them for some Mm -hmm. reason. I know one thing was I I hated when my recycling bin wasn't on a desktop. So I always went out of my way to make sure that it was on my desktop. And I hated when it wasn't in the bottom right-hand corner. For me, it always has to be in the bottom right-hand corner. Oh, I forgot to mention that. I had I used to have Recycle Bin in the bottom right-hand corner. Now I just keep it at the top left because that's where Recycle Bin wants to keep going. Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. I only keep the. I only really keep a couple of. Th I only keep a few things on my desktop. I used to have a bunch of stuff, but then I wound up just having folder upon folder upon folder. I didn't like having loose stuff on my desktop. I had to have folders. It didn't matter how many things I had in it. As soon as I had one thing, I had to have a folder. Mm -hmm. I was a folder maniac. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the depths of my folders. Sometimes they just keep going and going. Oh yeah. But my folders are pretty much named reasonably, unlike yours. A A A A A A A. Oh, that's just my DJ stuff. I'll only name a folder A or something if I wanted to go to the top of my Explorer window. Mm -hmm. Now I rely a little bit more on uh, sorting. You know, if I need to find something recent, I'll sort by date modified, mm -hmm. for example. Yep. And I have a bird trying to stick her head in my mouth again. Of course you do. Oh. Mm -hmm. What else? Let's see. Um, <laughs> I didn't really... I always used small icons until Windows 8. I didn't even have big icons in Windows 7. I thought you were ridiculous for doing that. But now that I'm... Uh, but I'm using it more now in Windows 10 than I did even in 8. It makes more sense, I guess, when you have a high-resolution widescreen monitor. When you have a lower-resolution 5x4 or 4x3 monitor, it's a big icon takes up a lot of real estate. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I didn't mention it before, but Emmanuel is correct that... Having a vertical start menu on the left-hand side does make a lot of sense, since we have widescreen monitors and we have more vertical space to to we we have more horizontal space to use up than vertical space. Yeah. But regardless, I still have my start menu on the the bottom like a normal person. Yeah, I have mine on the bottom too. All right, quit getting distracted by your own images <laughs> and read your notes, woman. <laughs> I'm reading the notes. Let's see. I know that um, I never really used. I only use. I don't use auto login. I don't mind typing in my password. Oh yeah, that's something that I do. I use. What do I use? I have it in my notes later. Whatever, I'll get to. Oh, NetPLWiz. Um, I use that in Windows. NetPLWiz to uh, automatically log myself in every time I turn my computer on. I do that at home. I wouldn't mm -hmm. do that at work. I don't know if you can at work. It's no, a security so. issue. All right. What else? Let's see. Um, I never really used big taskbars. I always had like my taskbar right at the very bottom. Thin. I never had double, double width, never double height taskbar. Oh yeah, I did that for a while. You'll see it in my screenshot of uh, Windows XP. Double height taskbar. Bottom is applications, and top is shortcuts. So it was nice how Windows Seven kind of combined those by letting you pin applications. Yeah, I did do that in Windows Seven, but I didn't do it before then. But I was up, but. Windows 7 kept trying to rearrange my, uh, this little cluster of shortcuts I had, so it would always try and put Internet Explorer first. Mm. Oh, I hated that so much. It was, <laughs> fuck off, Windows. I hate Explorer. It's a friggin' ass zit in my way, and I'm gonna pop it if you don't move it. It's an ass zit? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, so. Ow. What are you gonna do about it, eh? Eh, 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 eh. Nothing, that's what. Yeah, what else you got in your notes? Yep. So what else do you got? E, come oh, on. Oh, is that it for your notes? Um, that's it for this particular comment. Um, unless. Okay. Um. um, 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 um oh, or... what about startup configuration? How much did you? I. That's probably where I do a lot of my customization. Oh, MS Config. Mm -hmm. I used to do that more. Well, it doesn't exist anymore. MS Config. You can use MS Config in Windows to see what applications start in your startup. Yeah. Yeah, it's not in Windows 10 anymore, as far as I know. Oh, is it? Yes. Right. But it's now it's done. in your task manager. Yeah, it, but you can still type msconfig into your uh, 
You can so search bar is the actual command. Right, and it tells you to go to task manager. So yeah, in task manager now is where you can choose. It tells you startup impact, so how uh, how much it delays the startup of your computer, low, medium, or high. That's really nice. And then you can change them from enabled to disabled if you want to. So a little more graphical this way. I like this way. Mm -hmm. I, so you used to have to manage that very carefully. I think I just install less shit now than I used to. But I, I used to always have little surprises of things that would load up at startup. That was one of the, the major tools in my toolbox when I spent more time fixing other people's computers. Just look at msconfig. It's a good indicator of what kind of crapware they have installed. And also oh, I know. We want they, they thank their lucky stars. They thank you profusely for trimming that down. Mm -hmm. uh, so what else? A big part of OS customization, if you call it that now, is that I have total reliance on OneDrive. And I know I've talked up and down about OneDrive in the past. At least, and now that they've reduced the amount of storage that new users get in OneDrive, you and I opted out, so we still get us all the all the storage that we earned mm -hmm. over the years. So we have. Why the hell would anyone opt out of that? Well, you had to opt into it. Oh, you had to opt in to keep it. So you had to go out of your way. You had to know what was mm -hmm. happening, which is unfortunate. Yes, but it regardless, is. we have ample storage for now in on OneDrive, so we rely on that. So I, uh, all my documents. I went from, it's been a long, strange journey. I went from C colon slash docs is where I used to keep my documents. And you too, you were stubborn about that for a long time, I remember. Yes, I was. Finally got you moved over to the My Documents folder. And me too, it took a while. Mm -hmm. But I, I decided to give in and it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's I used C colon slash docs just because it was convenient and I knew where it was. But then Windows started adding little shortcuts to my documents in the main UI. So I figured, okay, that's actually more convenient than going out of my way to set these favorites and stuff. So I'll just use that. So now Windows 10 by default, I believe by default, it uh, changes the documents folder to uh, be stored in OneDrive and it's and it uh, syncs it to the cloud. So that if your computer, if your hard drive goes kaput, you can just download it and get all your stuff back. I love that. So I rely on OneDrive completely now for that stuff. Mm -hmm, me too. So I love that. Uh, one thing that I like to do is, if I'm given the option for Windows, I enable all of the telemetry. So any data about my usage, I turn it all on for the most part, unless it looks really fishy or if it's uh, excessive. If it's like a debugging mode or something, I turn that stuff on and I send that data to Microsoft because I want, when they make new versions of Windows, I want it to be improved based on my use case. <laughs> I want them to be familiar with the way I use my computer so that as they improve it, it'll be tailored to me. Yeah, because then they'll look at everyone and they'll say, oh, look at all the uh, ways people use their computers. Yeah, that's right. Which is fine by me. I like that. I, don't, yeah. I have it on. I was reluctant at first. I'm like, why do I want to send this telemetry? I don't even send crash reports to Mozilla. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, I usually do. Well, when I when I used Mozilla, I get a lot less crashes now that I switched to Chrome. I haven't crashed in a long time. Yeah? Mm -hmm. You still have to restart your browser, though, for memory usage? I uninstalled that so I don't have to know about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's lucky. When I On my laptop at work, it would just get so slow. And when I, I installed that app that tells you your memory consumption, that told me why. It was slow because Firefox became a serious memory pig. The longer it's open, the more memory, memory it steals. is the trough. Firefox is your pig. There you go. That was kind of implied, but thank you for clarifying. <laughs> you can't keep the... I can't keep that trough full enough, baby. <laughs> Yay. Uh, what else? Oh, so one important thing that I have uh, 
that I have added to my Windows experience is an application called Networks, N-E-T-W-O-R-X, mm-hmm. which, oh, and you have it on yours too. It's a yeah. bandwidth meter. So I used to use one called DU Meter, which was great. It was a little test bar icon that was just like an up arrow and a down arrow in one icon. Yeah. And uh, they're red when no data is being transferred, and they're green when you're either uploading or downloading. The up or down arrow will uh, glow. Mm-hmm. So that was good to know when your when your computer was being uh, used, when your network was being utilized. But um, as applications and operating systems became more dependent on data, on uh, networks, it was less useful to know, like, yes or no, is my network being used? Because it was always being used by, for something. It wasn't, it was no longer an important... Now we just want to know how much is being used as opposed to yes or no. Yeah, that's right. So now what we're using is uh, Networks, which allows you to do taskbar integration. So that means that right on our Windows taskbars is a little network bandwidth meter. It tells you up and da- up, down, uh, download, upload, and you can also customize the colors. And since I don't really like, since I have a general set of colors that I usually use for my desktop, I configured my uh my upload and download bars to match my uh, preferred color schemes. Your precious teal. Everything's got to be teal. Aqua fresh. Yeah. Blue green. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. Yeah, it's nice to have customizable software. I think it's just free software for Windows networks, but it's a great bandwidth monitor. So it's really good. And it's, uh, it's a histogram. So I've dragged mine out so I can see about 20 minutes or so of, da- of data usage. So it's good to know. It doesn't tell you what's using your bandwidth. It just tells you whether your bandwidth is being used. And if you're downloading a file, how fast it's going, and if something's downloading without you invoking it, it at least tells me that I need to go and check out some... I have to go check out a, uh, a, a the Windows tool, the task manager, which ha- tells you which applications are using your network and how much. And you can sort it by which application is using the most network at any given time. So I love that. I'll put an I'll put a link to that on the show note in the show notes for sure. Networks. Um, I talked already about automatic login with NetPLWiz. Mm-hmm. I uh, have a dynamic DNS, uh, a, a dynamic IP DNS client. I use no IP. Uh, noip.com is the service that I use. I used it for a while. I haven't used it in ages, though. Well, you haven't used it since we moved in together, basically, because mm-hmm. we only have our... Well, you don't really remote desktop into your computer. You don't access your computer remotely very much. I do it for work sometimes. Oh, yeah, because you get bored at the office and you need to uh, well, find various, a way to screw off without the boss knowing. Well, there's various reasons why I do it. It is true that you can... You know, if you remote desktop into your computer at home, then your browsing history doesn't show up at work. So there's a plus to that. But there's also the fact that my work computer is far less powerful than my home computer. So sometimes if I'm writing documentation and I need to run a virtual machine or something, it's way faster to do it on my home PC with 16 gigs of RAM than on my laptop at work with 8 gigs of RAM. Mm-hmm. So I use a dynamic, uh, or I have a dynamic IP, of course on my uh, home ISP. So I use the uh, no IP dynamic update client, DUC, which reports my IP address to the no IP service. Mm-hmm. So it's a free dynamic DNS uh, service. True. And then, but we had to configure our router to uh, forward your uh, IP and uh, port, right? We used to configure the router for it. Uh, routers used to include links to the free 
uh, dynamic DNS services. Now they've gotten wise of how uh, popular they are, so you can't log in directly to the free ones. They sell their own. They sell a paid one, and they want you to log on to your router with that. So that's a shame, but whatever. It means you install the software on your computer instead of putting the username and password directly onto your router. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I already talked about this one. Windows 98 to XP, I used to increase the taskbar to two rows with shortcut icons above And you had so many partitions. You had, like, I think you were using a quarter of the alphabet at one point. You'll see in my screenshot, I had a lot of partitions. I reduced the number of partitions now. Yeah. I used to use more. It was more confusing. <laughs> it didn't really add value. But I also had... So I talked previously about these letter icons I used to use. Like on my taskbar, I had A, C, D, E, F. I had like one letter icon for... And it would map to that drive. Mm-hmm. So I could just click the letter on my taskbar and it would take me... It would open up Windows Explorer mm-hmm. to that drive. It was very convenient. I did a lot of file task uh, stuff. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the bird's being distracting. Uh, yeah, back. I have to sit forward because it's sitting halfway down my back, eating my shirt. That's right. Oh, I feel feet and beak. So start menu. Did you used to um, organize your start menu or was it just a big clutter of stuff? Oh, I was. Uh, I used to, especially in Windows XP, I would drag everything. I would make sure it was all alphabetical order. And then I had subfolders for some of my stuff when it got to be too long. Mm-hmm. I had all these folders that divided everything up. Yeah, I, I would put things into folders, like, on the start menu. I had, like, applications, games, music, and maybe one or two more or something. Mm-hmm. So I would sort every... I would drag things into those and sort those by name. Um, or no, I wouldn't always sort by name, though. Um, actually, I would I would move some things so that they were exactly where I wanted them to be. Maybe I wanted one application at the top or one at the bottom or three at the bottom or something. Yeah. So I would get pissed off at people when they would see... They would assume that I was just sloppy and would right-click it. And say sort by name, mm-hmm. that would piss me off because they would undo my meticulous ordering. I know, and it's like I know exactly how I wanted this. I want this part alphabetical, but everything here is supposed to be there, and I want anything that's not a folder at the very bottom. The fold, not all icons had to be at the bottom. That's right. Oh, and so speaking of the taskbar, by the way, we talked about the taskbar with um, networks yeah. for a while. I I didn't know what to do with all that taskbar space. It was just unused space, mm-hmm. unless I had tons of applications open, which was rare. Um, so Windows, as you're <laughs> yes, fond yes. of saying, I know. emphasizing the plural aspect. Of yes, it. yes. So what I did for a while was I tried putting an address bar on my taskbar just to use the space. But I never really found that very useful. I thought it might be, but it, it, it just got in the way. Um, oh, so let's talk about the Stardock things. I talk about Style XP mm-hmm. and Cursor XP. and window- I, I think I use both of those. And Window Blinds as well. Mm-hmm. So Style XP. I don't remember the difference between Window Blinds and Style XP now. Mm-hmm. Style XP. Oh, it's still available for download. I don't remember. Anyway, basically, Style XP, or was it Window Blinds? I forget. Let you um, customize what your uh, windows in Windows looked like, mm-hmm. like the window frames, basically, and your start it menu. basically took the, uh, a, uh, sim- the simplified version of what you had and gave you all these little extra features that you could tweak. So yes, you can install skins, and you can change how things looked. Mm-hmm. I had I forget what provi- where, it came, where where we got it from, but I love the uh, Dark Knight or Royal uh, 
skin for Windows XP where it made where it made it like a dark royal blue. Oh well, um, Windows XP came with some skins, and later on we got one. <coughs> there was a dark Luna skin. I forget what, where we got that. It was an extra download from Windows from Microsoft, and there was one Zune skin which was dark and had like orange highlights, which I liked as well. That was the darkest one. But uh, Style XP let you just, or Windows Blinds, whatever, I, I'm doubting myself now which one it was. You could download other people's themes, and some of them were really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And of course, some of them were really hideous, but that's always the case. Yeah, you'll see in my screenshot of Windows XP how stupid mine uh. looks. But it was fun playing with that stuff. Um, I also used Cursor XP, which let you have really high resolution, high frame rate animated cursors. Boy, were they stupid. I had, like, a screw that would rotate, and I had... I remember some of these. Some really tiny ones and really big ones. I never could quite decide what I wanted, but yep. they did not add value whatsoever. It just used up your system resources. Mm-hmm. It was very, a very silly thing. Oh, one thing that I used for a while, and I don't remember whether you used it. This was in Vista. Do you remember Windows Dream Scene? Yes, I did. You used that, too? That was, that's, that was um, native functionality that allowed you to, instead of having an image as your wallpaper, you could have a video. I know. Oh, that was... Fa- oh, but that's so stupid. That I was loved such it. a frivolous use of computer resources. It was totally frivolous, but I loved it. I liked it a lot. Hey, I didn't say it wasn't good. I'm just saying it was frivolous. It's nothing but frivolous. And I wonder if that's going to make a comeback now that we're seeing websites where you go to their main the main page of a website and a video plays in the background. It's a fun thing to have on your desktop. I always liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked when people would um, make a dream scene and record a video from a video game. They just like look at a landscape of the waterfall or something, and they'd hide the UI and press the record button for twenty seconds mm-hmm. until it uh, was at a nice looping point, and then you can make that your desktop wallpaper. That was great. I had some good Half Life Two ones. Somebody, for example, for Half Life Two, it has all of those main menu screens, mm-hmm. so they hid the UI so that all you get are the the backgrounds, and they made those windows backgrounds. Those are excellent. Stop chewing my nails, bird. Yeah. Um, ah. Oh, something I used to use all the time. I use other solutions now. I use something called Pop Tray. I don't know if it's ex- if it exists anymore. It was a little taskbar application that just tells you how many emails are waiting. And it would scroll through different background colors to show you different accounts that you had. I had like five email accounts. Oh, yeah. I remember you using this. I never had use for it because I had everything go to one account. Right. Later on, I, I routed all of my different email addresses to my main email address because you can do that in Gmail. You can send and receive emails from many addresses mm-hmm. routed through your single address. So I still use that to this mm-hmm. day. Uh, and, in- and now I use um, in Gmail, there's a labs feature that allows you to put the number of unread emails on the fave icon in your tab. Mm -hmm. So I use that. Hmm. Uh, And the last note I have on here for OS customization, this is dubious, I guess, whether some of these have been OS customization, but they customize my user experience, at least. The last one I have was something called MP3EXT, which was an add-on for Windows that changes the icons of MP3s to show you the bitrate of that file. I used to use that for uh, DJing. It's ideal if you only mix songs that had the same bitrate. Otherwise, some songs sound clearer than others. Mm-hmm. So it was really handy. It would, it would say right on the icon 128 or 320 or 192. That was a handy thing. Well, that's all I have on my list of, of... Yeah, we didn't... I think I was having trouble remembering some of that stuff. So was I. I had to look at some of my old screenshots for to jog my memory a little mm-hmm. bit. 
So we've talked anyway about um, customizing the OS itself as well as adding shareware and features to change the user experience. Mm -hmm. So if you guys have any uh, other stories, we thank you so much to Robert and to Emmanuel and also to Father Beast yes, for mentioning yeah for mentioning the different ways that they customize their mm -hmm. OS and their experience. If you yeah, guys have anything, we want to hear from you. It uh, just gives us more stuff to talk about. That's right. So, should we keep it short and sweet today? Yeah, sure. We can cut it off here. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, would you like to take us out then, babe? Sure. If you'd like to uh, reach us, you can. There's three ways you can contact us. We're. You can find us on the web at squarefm.demodulated.com. By email, we are squarefm@demodulated.com. Or in 140 characters, you can tell us we stink. We are at squarewavesfm. Yeah, we are. Yes, we are. And, Joey, do you have anything to say to the nice people? No, she's shy now. She's rather be biting my toenails. Hey, Joey. Hey, Tootie. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Sorry it's been a, a couple of weeks since our last one. We are traveling a little bit here and there mm -hmm. uh, over the next few months, so it might it might be two weeks between episodes once or twice more. Yeah, we have one more. We have our anniversary coming up. So. Yeah, we can record there, though. Yep, we'll record on that. Well, we have two weddings that we have to go to out of town. Yeah, so one in August and one in September. Yeah, one in Ottawa and one in Winnipeg. So we probably won't be able to record those weekends. But, no, uh, we won't. But keep, we'll uh, keep getting in, uh, in touch with us, and uh, we'll uh, keep on recording and uh, talking about it on the show. Mm -hmm. Sounds right. good. Have a good one, guys. Great talking to you. We miss you. Take ya. care. Okay. Bye. Beep. Beep.